Welcome to Coffee with Connections, powered by Centurion Wealth Management. I'm your host, Cooper Zimmerman, the Director of Communications here at Centurion. We're a fiduciary financial planning firm based out of McLean, Virginia. In this podcast, well, this is an exploration of ideas, insight from high-performance professionals, and commentary on all things investing, business, and entrepreneurship. But it's important to remember that this podcast is not investment advice. This series is purely educational and for entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to consult a professional before making any financial decisions. Now, let's get to this week's interview. This week's episode is with Brad Nurnberg. For over 25 years, Brad has been the CEO of an award-winning experiential marketing company called RedPeg. He's also the founder of something called Chance for Life. Chance for Life's mission is to save kids by funding childhood cancer research. Their annual poker tournament has raised over $10 million to give hope to children with cancer and is one of the biggest nonprofit events in the DC Metro, routinely selling out the MGM. Now this event attracts mega celebrities like Joe Montana and multiple Super Bowl champ Rob Gronkowski and many more well-known figures in pop culture and in business all to help raise money for a noble cause. In this episode, we discuss all of what Brad is up to while also diving into things like leadership and entrepreneurship and teasing out his best practices. This is a great episode. I enjoyed it so much and I cannot wait for you to give this one a listen. Let's get started on another episode of Coffee with Connections right now. Brad, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm good and I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for coming on board. Uh, I've heard a lot about you through our mutual, I guess, friend, professional contact peer, Darren, who sits on the leadership council at Chance for Life. Um, And he's told me a lot about it, but maybe that's just a good place to start because, uh, you know, we've definitely posted about the organization, uh, you know, because Darren has been involved with it. Uh, But take me back, maybe if you can, to 2004, 2005, I believe, when it first got started around Kennedy Snyder, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And what was going on in that time period and what kind of got you started into launching Chance for Life? Well, it's first of all, thank you. And yeah, Darren has been an incredible friend, supporter uh, of uh, Chance for Life. And he was really there at the very beginning. 17 years ago, um, my best friend's daughter at age two, her name is Kennedy, was diagnosed with pediatric cancer. My best friend, Jeff Snyder. He, um, you know, there was very little research being done in pediatric cancer oncology at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the overall amount of money that's being raised for cancer research, very little was going for pediatric. And so she was given really six months to live. She went through surgery and started chemotherapy and radiation. And I just said, I got to do something just to support my friend and show him, you know, we've got a ton of uh, people that care about him. And so I said, I'm going to create an event that's going to celebrate life as opposed to the traditional white tablecloth dinner experience. And plus, you know, my business is in the experiential marketing space. So we create events to, to create memorable memories about brands, whether it's going to be Geico or Budweiser, we come up with the events and the right strategies to bring brands to life. So I thought sort of an unfair advantage for us to create a charitable event. And we want to do something unique and different that created an emotional cord. So I said, I'm going to create something fun. I'm going to do a poker tournament. And we rented out the uh, city tavern club in Washington, DC. I think I might've had 80, a hundred people there. 
And, you know, Kennedy came down and she, you know, had no hair and very frail fighting, you know, going through the chemotherapy. She walked around to everybody at those tables and said, thank you for coming. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, you know, there's not a, you know, a dry eye as she went around. And I think that what I saw were people connected with her connected with what the cause was. It's, it's not, it wasn't just a cause. It was a person right. who represented what we we're trying to do. And there was an emotional, powerful connection that we're trying to save this girl's life. And mm. I think that's people connected and wanted to be part of this. So from that very first day, they always be asking how's, how's Kennedy, how's Kennedy. And then, you know what, like, I got to do this again. So every year we did it every year, Kennedy survived other surgeries, chemotherapy, and they brought other people. Year after year, the event grew. And now looking back, now the last year we did it just before COVID, it was the week before this country shut down. We had um, 2,800 people at the MGM. We raised uh, $3 million in one day. It was a 13 hour event, an eight hour poker tournament followed oh by God. a after party that went into the wee hours it is a it, you know it has become a sold out event every year you know we usually sell it four months in advance and people come because a they know that every dollar being raised is getting put towards uh research and they also know this is a uplifting fun and networking event that right. um that really makes you feel good about where you put your money and you enjoy it. People, you know, truly reserve their table that day that we end the event. They're like, we're back. We're buying mm -hmm. a table. Let me buy another table. How can I help? How can I get involved? And Darren is one of those people that, you know, just always raised his hand to be part of it, bring other people, introduce people from family members, to clients. And I think that every time he brought somebody new, they said, you know, I want to be involved in this. Mm -hmm. in much on it. So can, you know, chance for life is, uh, you know, as, as I said, uh, we're an experiential marketing agency. So we have an unfair advantage that uh, we're, we know how to create those um, unique moments at event that everybody, those quintessential moments that create energy and are memorable that everybody shares. And part of Chance for Life was always about a surprise. My goal was every year I have to make this the best event in the city. Mm -hmm. How do I make this the best event? And part of it was what are those unique quintessential moments? And I felt like surprises are always part of how do you outdo your last year? Well, you got to surprise people with something above and beyond. So my our thing became we're going to bring surprise celebrities each year. You're not going to tell you who's coming. Wow, We're just going to bring, just know, just come and you know, you're going to be blown away. So the first year we brought Joe Montana and it was like, Oh my God, Joe Montana. That was insane. And then we I think the next year we brought, I'm like, no, we're bringing Terry Bradshaw and Jerome Bettis and Cal Ripken. And we oh had, gosh. uh, we had, uh, John Popper, uh, blues travelers, a surprise musical artist at our event. And then we had Robin Thicke uh, as the musical artist. And then last year we had Rob Gronkowski and John McEnroe, a surprise. You know, they show up and year before that, we had the Stanley Cup champion capital show up, like all of them, they walked in, the whole place goes crazy. Oh my gosh. So I think, 
you know, the poker tournament is a way to create energy and raise mm -hmm. money and have fun and networking. Everybody, no matter where you sat, you ended up meeting new people as the tables condensed. And it was a fun time. Now, had that model existed, like, I mean, like you said, you kind of had maybe an unfair advantage of in terms of a mindset and you're thinking, okay, how can I pull off an event? But what, did that model exist at all? Like, I mean, in terms of raising like dollars for like a philanthropic or nonprofit event, but putting on essentially a show, like all of a sudden like a giant performance, or is that kind of just an original idea that you, because of the background with the event plan, you're like, wait a second, this can just apply to philanthropic work. And it basically gives people, you know, it's like, I mean, not that people don't support charities, but there's something different about you know, like mailing a check in and never hearing else about it or just donating your money to something and not being tangible. Was that like a core element? It's like, no, I want to make it tangible. I want to make it real and make it, you know, impactful for people. Was that from the jump, the idea? Like, can you remember back yeah. to the early formation? I, thought, I said, first of all, it came from the heart. You know, I, this was my best friend is, is child and I saw what he was going through. And so my commitment was to him and to his daughter to do right mm -hmm. and um, open open everybody that worked for me's eyes to what was a great glaring need and to I mean and for them a, a channel in which to give back to society community um, that I learned as I was doing it I felt this became a great rudder for me in my life so when you said what is it that I wanted to create I felt that and our mantra at Red Peg has always been you create an experience to allow you to communicate and educate a brand value. And so what I said is I had to create this experience that was so sought after that when they come here, that I have a chance to excite and then educate and create a connection between an emotional feeling, meaning, wow, I'm having a great time, but then I stopped the music and I go and I bring to life what this is all about. And usually mm -hmm. Jeff, my best friend or Kennedy get up on stage, or we started introducing families that were fighting the cancer as it was happening. You know, they, they would bring their child up on stage. There's, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old child and tell the battle that they're fighting. And that many, like the thousand people in the crowd all had kids and they were like, this could have been me. It could have been me. And so we connecting the dots between the emotional feeling that they had to a rational, I'm going to contribute. I'm writing a check. This is a good cause. Horrific, horrific cause that I'm going to help make a difference. So the, the model was create an experience that people want to be part of and utilize that moment to educate and create a rational action out of it. So it really became my models. Like the more I make this a great experience that everybody wants to be at brands, people, they're going to write checks. And right. I, I had that, that platform to communicate and educate what this is all about. And um, so, uh, you know, it's always been the model, like create the greatest event in the city, make yeah. it everybody wants to go to. No, certainly. And, you know, I'd, I'm going to butcher the quote, but essentially I heard it recently. It's kind of a quirky thing. It says, if you don't think money can buy happiness, you're wrong. You just haven't given enough away yet. 
and that philanthropic efforts with with raising money is immensely rewarding. It's a little bit of a quirky statement, but basically it means like the power of nonprofit, the power of charity, the power of of reallocating resources to drive you know results in other areas. My question, I guess, then is how much, you know, did you anticipate how much, I guess, that would impact and influence you, you personally just being involved in such a fulfilling experience running this nonprofit? Like, how has that been over your career? I'm sure it's helped you grow in many different ways as, as a man, as a leader, as a business person, but even still, maybe even inspiring hundreds of other people. You know what? Like, Brad, look what Brad's built. And I'm sure, you know, you wouldn't take all the credit, but look what he started. Maybe I could do something in my community. Maybe I could do this. Like, how rewarding has that been? I'm sure to have those kind of conversations with people over the years. Well, it's, it's, look, I look at the, uh, I always say the chance for life has been a rudder in my life. Um, uh, uh, definitely a, look, I started this before I had kids. I started, oh. I did it for eight years and then I started having kids. And then I okay. said, holy crap, I get it now. Now I understand the love you have for your children. And we all know mm-hmm. childless cancer. What's the first thing you're like, I'll do, I'd do anything to take it away. Give it to me, right. give it to me. I didn't get it until I started having kids. Then I was like, oh my God, what my, my best friend has been going through. I didn't even know. Now I know. And mm-hmm. it has become an incredible rudder of gratitude in my life and respect for my best friend. Like true respect and admiration for the way he conducts life. And the way he conducts life is uh, he's living life to its fullest every day. He's grateful for every moment with his kid. And that I take this, my key learning is appreciate every day, appreciate the moments you have with your kids. You don't know how lucky you have it until you're hit with this. And it's close. It's as close as my child. It's close as my brother or sister this is my very best friend from college. And, you know, we, we, we still work together, you know, through our professional lives and she's my goddaughter. So it is family and it has mm-hmm. been my rudder in my life. It helps me just keep perspective on, listen, everybody's got negative things in their lives. Nobody's life is perfect. Even this, in this social media world of driving, everything's perfect, photos on your social feed, everybody has problems, everybody has bad days. It's all about how you look at those bad moments and how do you keep perspective on those bad moments. And Chance for Life has allowed me mm-hmm. a continual um, perspective driving in life. And that's, the, that's my unfair, that's what's, I feel like it's not fair how much I get out of chance for life to make my life better is truly the mental um, clarity of, yeah. uh, and it's helped me so much. I was, look, I think you're just much more grateful person when you give and you're connected to these, these philanthropies. And uh, I, if anybody is listening, that is not, it, it, it's the greatest gift you give to yourself. It's almost selfish. Mm-hmm. I feel that I truly feel that way. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, that's essentially the sentiment was that if you don't think money can buy happiness, you haven't given away enough yet. So um, I agree, man. I mean, chanceforlife.net, and I'm sure we'll circle back to chance for life, but chanceforlife.net is where you can find out more information about it. Um, you know, support it, be a member of it, sponsor a table, attend it. 
um, much like our, you know, like, like Darren has. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your professional life because before, as we were setting up the Zoom, you showed me some really cool uh, drone uh, like artwork that you really just can't even explain it until you see it. But, and so now I understand why you wanted to show me the video because it's, it's truly remarkable. Let's talk about with Redpeg, you're the CEO and founder of that. Talk to me about how that got started and what does it what does it exactly mean experiential marketing? I know we've touched on it briefly, but what exactly do you all do for brands and you know how does that uh, why I guess are they hiring you if that makes sense? That's great and good question. Thank you. Well, uh, Red Peg Marketing is an experiential marketing agency. We've been around for twenty seven years, and it started, you know, when I saw that the marketing traditional marketing TV, radio, digital is really you know, it's a mass approach where experience marketing is a much more targeted approach. And it's all about one-to-one -one engagement through events and experiences. So as how do, how do you choose your brands today? It's through references, through friends, recommendations, where you try something, you experience it, or you see a brand that's right for you. We are a company that ident creates ways for consumers and new brands to be introduced. Traditionally, events, sponsorships through NASCAR or, or NFL will create exhibits or experiences for you to try a new Diet Pepsi or a new, uh, or, or to learn about Geico uh, insurance or to learn about Dish TV. Like whatever brand product, we create experiences for people to learn about them through one-on-one -on -one experiences. And um, so, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just a quick thought, how then did COVID, because you mentioned, you know, Change for Life, like the week right before the crazy shutdowns and all that. I can remember, like, I think like uh, the NBA shutting down and then like uh, Tom Hanks yeah. got COVID. Everyone was like, the world felt like it was ending, right? And it's like experience like literal in-person stuff come to a crashing halt and then now basically over the last two years we've had a couple you know restarts and misfires and i think now hopefully we're on the other end we're in the fourth quarter of covid um but what was are there any silver linings or things that you learned during covid about your process and experiential things in general maybe that you think is going to help move forward and maybe different lessons learned or, you know, things that were not obvious before COVID, but now moving forward, you know, you can feel like it's a strategic advantage. Is there anything come to mind particularly? Yeah. Look, it, we were as, as many restaurants first were everybody shut down. We went completely flatline. We do over a thousand events across the country for different clients and brands, creating experiences. So that stopped. I had to find a way to save the company, truly right. save the company, get through to the other side. Um, and I think, again, as I say, keeping perspective in life, you know, sure, uh, what we were going through, I knew, look, I knew we weren't, we weren't dying, just the company might uh, right. we had to figure out a way. So we had a great team of leaders that like, okay, people are doing, people still want to connect with each other. Right. How can we do this virtually, digitally? So we really pivoted quickly and built up our digital capabilities to create digital experiences, digital events. And with that, like great example, Chance for Life is a digital poker tournament. There was zero digital poker apps that allowed you to see and talk to the people playing uh, virtually poker. So we actually built a poker oh platform so you could actually play poker online 
while looking and, and talking with the people. So you imagine oh. a, a Zoom meeting, but you're getting dealt cards. Oh. There are eight people at the table, but you can move from table to table. We had tournaments over 300 tables, no like kidding. people playing. So we created this platform and we were doing team building activities for companies that couldn't get together with their people, but people still needed to connect mm -hmm. beyond Zoom. They needed to have social interaction even though it was digital. Because think about new employees that hired, that are working in different places around the country. How do you connect socially? How do you get to know the people beyond a Teams or business meeting? Right. There's like, there's no water cooler talk going on. So we had to create, we use this platform to do it. So that's just one very small example. All of our clients that we're doing events for, we're like, how do we do events for our mm -hmm. customers? And so we quickly pivoted to digital and got through. And now we're really back to full strength on our mm -hmm. uh, digital and now physical experiences. Yeah. Now you have two, two powerhouse sections, almost like sections combined of it. Yeah. Um, now you have this wonderful, I've read a little bit about you, did my homework. You have this wonderful life philosophy that I would tend to agree with. And it's, it's success is all about the people. What does that mean to you? Where did that come from? Well, I uh, I started as a beer rep on the streets of Washington, D.C., switching people from Bud Light to Mill Light. That was <laughs> my job. Um, and when I worked for back in the day for Miller, then I got hired by their agency to replicate what I was doing in D.C. in uh, about 40 other markets around the country. And so I hired people, gave them, trained them, gave them the tools to be successful. And the agency I worked for uh, felt like they were the last link at the food chain, as opposed to the most important connection point between Mill Light brand and the, the potential customer. And I just felt like that agency didn't get it. This is a people business, experiential marketing and, and any type of uh, company culture is so critical. You got to treat the people they're executing the well. You have to trust, empower, recognize, train, give them the tools to be successful. And I said, look, this agency didn't get it. I think I can start an agency that understands that put the people first and you're going to be successful. People that are ready to walk through walls for you are, they just need to be enabled. They have to be trusted. They have to be. So I started the agency and it's all about the people. I have this inverse pyramids mentality that it's not me on top. I'm the most important uh, person to drive enablement and giving the power to the people that are executing. And um, so uh, it's all about the people in the organization. I put a tremendous amount in culture uh, to make this company successful and for people to feel um, that uh, they are the most important people, not me. Yeah, and that is an interesting and good, I would say perspective because I think, um, it, or leadership style, if you will, because I think sometimes, entrepreneur founders have the inverse of that where they, they struggle with like delegation and empowerment because it's my vision. I'm trying to grow it, maybe even a little bit like controlling of, of the thing, but to truly unlock scale and empowerment of other people, you got to let them paint the picture alongside you. Right. So when you think about leadership, is it, is it through that lens? Is it like, how can I help you get where you want to be? Like, what can I do for you? I know you work for quote unquote me under this organization, but what can I do to empower you? And then you kind of set a fire and 
bring freedom under people if they know that, wow, this person, the top person is asking me what he can do for me. Like that inspires them to maybe even dream bigger than if they would have just came in and said, here's the four things you have to do. But if you said, hey, like, what do you want to do? Tell us like Steve Jobs says, hire smart people and get out of their way. Right. So like, is that your leadership philosophy? Is that feel like you something that resonates and that you try to subscribe to over the years? Well, a hundred percent. I, I completely agree. I think that, um, we built a, a company that, you know, I, I always say at the end of, uh, some of my presentations, like I, um, I, I own it. So I own it. Any, anything that goes wrong with the organization, um, I, at the end of the day, it all ladders up to me. Okay. Look, I got I own any, everything within the organization, anything that doesn't go wrong. I didn't enable train, trust, or provide the solutions for my team to be successful. I got to create a, an organization that there's trust and confidence that, that I've got their back. I want, I want people to be failing, falling forward. I, we're not perfect. We know I want us to be a nimble organization that's willing to take risks and try new things and push the envelope forward. In marketing, innovation is critical. Creative thought is critical. You have to be always evolving thinking and pressing new buttons on how we're going to technologically evolve and present new uh, solutions for our clients. Because in the marketing space, brands always want to be on the cutting edge and consumers in today's society want to be the first people to see or try new things. We as marketers need to bring forward to our clients new ideas on how to represent the brand and introduce it to consumers in the most innovative ways. So, you know, um, my, my philosophy is, is provide a safe environment, push towards, you know, try for, you know, I think it's, it's, it's trusting that uh, inherently trusting people that want to do good. You just got to provide them the tools to be effective. Right. You brought them on for a reason. Let, let them do what you saw and then like, let them grow into the person that they can be. No, I completely agree. And I think it also speaks, I mean, I'm 27 years old, be 28 in August. Like, I think the, you know, millennial, classic millennial, I guess, category of like, we want experiences over material things. Like, do you think when you're building out models and experiences for brands that that is true then of, of a lot of consumers that we, we, we want that experience, like we want connected we want to, if we want to shop somewhere, we want to buy something somewhere. We want to feel like we align with the brand. We can feel it, interact with it digitally and physically. Like, is that just an absolute wave across all industries? Or do you feel like it's hyper-specific in certain industries or, or maybe talk about like, what is Red Peg? Do you feel like you have a specialty in any regard or what you seek out, I guess, if that makes sense? Well, I think all, all industries, well, I look at our space used to be all just physical experiences. Now everything is both physical is a hybrid experience, both, yeah, digital and physical. Um, uh, we really uh, invested heavily in, and grew in the video game business space. We launched maybe 13 different video games, you know, starting 10 years ago. Uh, we understood that that was going to be a new category that was now look at what it is today. But gaming and the crossover between the physical and digital experience is an interesting one when you say, what do you guys specialize in? I think that understanding what's next mm -hmm. in the marketing space is one of our, you know, we, the game, we, I said, I want us to be the leading 
spiritual shop in the gaming space because I thought, thought that was going to be a new passion place for brands to interact with consumers in a positive way. Gaming is a passion point, positive passion point, and brands can interact with them in a very unique way. So um, we really spent our time working with both the gaming brands and then brands that want to get into the and connect with those young adult consumers through um, through gaming. So uh, when you ask what is our, our specialty, I'd say um, utilization of both digital and physical uh, experiences is definitely one of them. We have you know a great creative group and a great strategy group that really peel away. It's not just tactics that we are providing our clients. It's a real both strategic and creative solution that most of them are looking for. And that's what, you know, I've, I've staffed up to provide. Especially get a little bit switch gears, entrepreneurship, something that's near and dear to my heart, right? I feel like every entrepreneur, a lot of them have the story of like, I was the kid, me personally growing up in West Virginia, that was shoveling snow, cutting grass, right? Like I'd much rather be doing that as a 13 to 14 year old, right? Always felt like I was trying to do that, meet with people, connect with people. What does entrepreneurship entrepreneurship mean to you? And how does you feel like that? Um, if there's any lessons you can pass on to folks that maybe want to start a business, maybe don't, maybe they just have an entrepreneur aspect of their life in some degree, like starting a nonprofit. And it's kind of a creative endeavor that's not necessarily a for-profit thing. But is there any kind of guiding lessons or things that come to mind that you've learned over the last few decades of your career? Just in entrepreneurship? Yeah, through the lens of, I guess, risk-taking maybe even more broadly, like like they're trying, like being innovative, like you said, like like trying to be on the cutting edge of things. Is there anything that like you push yourself personally to try to not be afraid of this or not be afraid of failing or some any degree like that? Any guiding principles, if you will, Ray Dalio. I don't know if you're familiar with, with well, Ray like, Dalio, but principles. Ray, Ray Dalio, I love him. Um, look, I've always been a uh, reader and uh, and obviously lo- listening to a lot of great podcasts these days. But um, I think the uh, when when I started Red Peg, I always I look back now and because people ask me, well, how do you work with these incredible brands? You're one of these you're a relatively small shop, you're independent, you're not part of the, one of these big conglomerates, how? And I said, I think we, from the beginning, I had blinders on. I was always said, I just like, these are the customers that will help us get to where we wanna go. These are the type of customers that will allow us to create the aspirational experiences that we want to. So I'd say as a, as a entrepreneur, wherever you wanna go, have blinders on because many, businesses almost can go so many different ways. Mm-hmm. You have to be very focused on what are the most uh, valuable opportunities that you need to pursue. So I had blinders on from the beginning. I think, um, as I said earlier, own it, you own it. So understand that you're the owner. You can't expect, you're not, can't expect others to act um, as a, a complete owner, but you can do a lot of things that can inspire to act as owners and it's a culture you can create. I mean, we created a program here called, you know, uh, the uh, cost savings plan. You might be like, okay, what the hell was that, Brad? I is it? well, how do you get everybody to think like an owner? How do you have people think about spending money like it's yours? Right. So I created an initiative that had people, actually we broke everybody into teams and they got uh, points based on how much money they saved uh, throughout the year based on triple bidding or 
say, uh, staying at a friend's house as opposed to a hotel or taking a, getting a ride to the airport instead of a, taking an Uber and all this, their teams competed on saving money for the company. And you might be like, yeah, right. How'd that happen? I mean, did it really happen? No, we saved over a million dollars in wow. year one and $2 million to our bottom line in year two, like real money, money. I would never yeah. would have seen never would have been right. lost in the, the cushions. Right. But it, you have to create a culture. You have to create competition. You have to create a, a rhythm in which you're going to look at things and you're going to create energy around it. And, you know, that's, that's a simple little thing that I, I say is like creating a culture uh, that uh, understands that people aren't going to act as owners, but you can create culture to help them get as far as you can. You're not going to be hundred percent owners, but sure as hell, you can get to 80%. You better be really thrilled for that when they act as yeah. 80% there and be thrilled. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Celebrate successes. I'm a huge believer that celebrate everything. You, 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 there are too many negative things that can go wrong all the time. The, the positive things you need to celebrate like crazy and make it mm -hmm. part of your culture as well. So we're big believers in celebration. We're big competitors. Uh, we're, um, we, we believe in, uh, uh, with, ex with extreme ownership. We don't mm -hmm. have very few people within our organization that are pointing fingers. Everybody owns, owns their mm -hmm. own, uh, their own area. And I think, and I'm, I think that's part of leadership is you, you, you lead with that type. Of sure. Thing. And it's fun when you're accountable to each other, you really feel like you can go far. Right. When I feel like I'm doing this for you, man, like I'm working, like we're doing this together. Like it feels like a team is endless and we can take on the, you know, the world when we have that accountability, if you will, to each other. Well, awesome. Well, you showed me the drone video. Is that is that already out? Like, are those and folks yeah. are saying? I know this is a podcast audio form, but we'll put it on social media. Maybe we'll share some sneak peeks of it. But where is that so far? That beautiful, like I'll describe it right now for the listeners. Like what, like three hundred some drones, like lifted into the air in perfect sequence, and then started performing this beautiful, crazy artwork. How the heck did that come about? And like, oh, is yeah. it, what's going on there, man? Like, oh, I that saw is, I saw the drone show bit. I saw a drone show over the Olympics and. Um, I said, that is an incredible experience that I think I, I can figure out how to bring it to the States and create a business around it. So put a, together a bunch of smart people. Now we own uh, the largest drone show fleet uh, in the country. We have been executing events almost every weekend across the country for sporting events, uh, membership organizations, rewards events. Uh, we did the Super Bowl in uh, January we, or February. We did out in LA and we're going to be doing some high profile other sporting events. And it is, you know, think about, you know, 500, we did the Super Bowl is 500 drones all going up in the air together with a choreographed show that is a spectacle, 400 to 600 feet in the air. Gosh. And the shows last eight minutes. So think about that. You know, people pay millions and millions of dollars for commercials for 30 seconds. This is a eight minutes of total domination of awe-inspiring show that nobody's seen before. That's the greatest thing I love about it. I don't care if you, the video I sent you doesn't do it justice. When you see it firsthand, it is awe-inspiring. Everybody's taking out their phone, taking a video and going, oh my God, I just saw a drone show. It is insane. So it's, think about it, 460, uh, 400 to 600 feet in the air, it's choreographed logos, 
messaging images and we we put it to music or have it to narration and it's one of the most exciting things that we've got going on right now yeah that's absolutely incredible i don't know if the secret service would allow it but i just imagine a fourth of july celebration like down by the, like the washington monument like doing some like crazy like american flag flying like that oh, would yeah be incredible. working on it working that's on awesome. it but yeah we're definitely gonna get there it'll be oh. sooner than you think that's awesome. Well, look, Brad, conscious of your time. Thank you. So look, chanceforlife.net is where if you're listening, you you were inspired, you want to be involved, you want to contribute, please go to that. Of course, this will be on my LinkedIn profile. We'll link all of uh, Brad's uh, pages and his profiles and whatnot. If you want to reach out to him with an idea, with a collaboration, uh, with support, I'm sure he would uh, be happy to listen to you. And look, Brad, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for having me.